Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to the hotbed. This is episode seven. Let's write about sex, baby. I'm Anarchy Somerville. I'm Lisa Williams. I'm Tatiana Denver. And we're really excited today because we've got Tatiana with us, who is our guest. Um, and Tatiana's come all the way from sunny. Chelmsford. Tell us where you've come from. Chelmsford. Sunny Chelmsford. Yes. And um, Tatiana, just as a little intro, you're a writer, aren't you? Yes. What else do you get up to in your spare time? Oh God, a little bit of everything. Uh, child wrangling, I have three. Um, Respect. Yes, <laughs> well, they all drive me a little bit round the bend. But, uh, so that's what I do. I basically do that, I write, and um, I do do some mean karaoke occasionally. Mm. Oh, <laughs> cool. what's, I, your, yeah. what's your tune? Oh, um... Son of a preacher man, I think. Ah, and are you a proper mm. singer or are you a kind of I was karaoke? trained I was actually trained in opera. Aha. Um, so Son of a preacher man opera style. You don't want <laughs> it. This is why I'm actually not great at karaoke because when you're trained, it's a little bit cringy because everybody's sitting there going, Oh no, not that one again. Because you're seen as a bit mm. of a performer rather than somebody who's just up for a laugh. So it gets more competitive. It I does, think. it does. And especially if you go on first, then you set the bar really yeah. high and yeah. then everyone wants to just not get up and sing then because they're like yeah. she is too yeah. good I like to set the bar really low <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll, you would be good maybe you could go first because I'm really like that as well I yeah. sort of go first and everyone's like okay that's fine yeah 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 if she's done it I mean <laughs> genuinely I cleared the dance floor the other day Imagine. I cleared the dance floor I went to a wonderful karaoke night for the charity Grief Encounter which supports uh, bereaved children Aww. and it was at the Cuckoo Club and it was really glam and it was lovely and there was some great singers and then there was me. And I decided, no, it was so embarrassing. I put down Love Shack by the B-52s because I think, well, so you're not really expected to have a great voice in that. No, it's just kind it's of fun. notes there, though. Didn't have a bloke to sing it with. And I thought, oh, maybe the guy that does the band in the backing, there was like a backing band, Rocky Oki, that's what they're called. And the guy said he would sing. But instead, he said, oh, and Lisa doesn't have a guy to sing the male part. So would anyone like to volunteer? Uh-oh. I mean, how it was like the tumbleweed started then. No. Uh, yeah, some guy got up, blessed, like oh, took pity right. on me. 
and you couldn't hear yourself, which in my case was probably a good thing. But um... that's always a classic singer's kind of blaming the acoustics of the room. I always remember one of my friends like massacred Whitney Houston, and he came away, and you I could hear him in the toilet, and he was literally like, no. "It was the acoustics; they were really oh, bad." And right. I was like, "No, no, nothing that to was... do with you singing at all." Um, well, we're not talking about karaoke today. We're actually talking about um, words and sexy words, and I guess kind of. Um, writing about sex, which is traditionally quite difficult to get right, and they have these awards every year that come out, which basically award the, the, like the, the worst sex awards yeah. or literary awards, and um, it's it's actually quite hard because I think people find it's very cringy reading sex scenes generally. Yeah. Um, to kick off, I want to pay tribute to somebody who paid a really big part in my kind of learning about sex, which was Jackie Collins. I wanted to say Sir Jackie Collins. Is she not Lady <laughs> Jackie Collins? She must be by now, surely. Um, but anyway, Dame. I wanted to read... Yeah, Dame Jackie Collins. I wanted to read something about... I this think is she's a, neither. neither from her book, The Power Trip. Um, and I guess the reason I'm reading this out is that for me, and we'll go on to talk about this a bit more, it was the first sort of descriptions of sex I ever read was Jackie Collins. Mm. Um, and it did two things. I mean, it, it did... It, I found it really kind of evocative. And the sex that she writes about is usually quite masculine and hard um and the other thing is it set up really strange expectations for men in my life because I always thought that all of the men would be sort of have big hairy chests be very tall and dominating wear leather trousers and have enormous penises because she never really (laughs) wrote about any disappointing sex um but I'll read this out and see what you what you ladies think so this is from the power trip she gazed up at him as his hands settled on her thighs gently pushing her legs apart And after that, he did something that he'd only ever done to her once before. And that was the first time they'd made love. He actually began performing oral sex on her. Cliff Baxter, the star of a million women's fantasies, was going down on her. His tongue was darting in and out of her most private places. A mind-blowing orgasm was swift. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> okay, so I just want to check reactions to that, to that reading for both of you. I liked that. Yeah, I liked that. I mean, how can you not like a mind-blowing orgasm? It was, I mean, the orgasm was swift, but so was the description. So I can't say it literally did it for me. But I like how, um, I like how there was oral sex. And were you sort of growing up, were you a fan? Or were you more, because Jilly Cooper was another one, wasn't she? Yeah, Jackie, Jilly. um, I weirdly was thinking about it. There was a very well-thumbed copy of, a Jackie Collins novel that literally went around every single person in my school. And it was pretty mind-blowing. But it didn't make me then go and look up other Jackie Collins books. Um, My mum, probably on on her shelves, had lots of Nancy Friday, so I probably just read a lot of that Mm. and still think that that non-fiction is sort of sexier than fiction. Fiction. Um, But the other one that we we read a lot at school... Oh, we, we, we didn't introduce Joe. Baby Joe is here. Um, he is still too young to understand the subject matter, luckily, but I'm sure he'll go on to have... He's got his Barry White romper suit on. Yeah, he looks exactly like Barry White today. He's composing a few songs to sing at karaoke uh, later tonight. He's a set-the-bar-high kind of guy, <laughs> FYI. Um, but we read lots of books by Virginia Andrews. Did you read any of her stuff? No. So her stuff was not erotic writing per se it's very sort of like trashy pulpy easy to read stuff and now when I look back on it I think it's pretty dark there was one for example flowers in the attic I can oh, remember the do you remember? I remember that one just vaguely yeah. so a mum remarries and she hides her children in the attic and the two eldest um, the boy and the girl end up having an incestuous relationship and you really root for them. You really want them to be together throughout the whole sequel. And you read it as a kind of teenager or young teenager. And we didn't think it was weird. We just really enjoyed reading it. And is there lots of sex in it? it? There's kind of sex, but it's quite innocent. Uh, as in, as innocent as it can be in a consensual incestuous Incestual relationship. relationship. But I remember like one scene, not in that book, but in one of her many, many books. Um, a girl kind of um, in bed and like rubbing up against a pillow and rubbing up against a mm. bedpost. So it was sort of quite innocent young people sex rather than like anything that Jackie or Jilly would come up mm. with. What about you, Tatiana? Because I mean, you know, you're a writer yourself, but for sexy times sort of growing up, did yeah. those kind of books play a part? Well, I, when you were reading that Jackie Collins piece, the, the, the thing that stuck out for me uh, was when you said he did something that he'd never done before. And my immediate thought was, he's going to cook for her. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the comedy in it. And the, the thing is, is that that kind of stuff never did it for me. Mm. Um, when I, I remember one of, I think it was when I was about 11, I remember there was a book on my parents' bookshelf in the house I grew up in. And it was, it was like, it almost looked like leather. It was dark. And I think, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think the title was something around, along the lines of witchcraft and priests in the in the medieval times or something mm. like that 
And I remember looking through it and it was like the, the some of the pictures were really graphic. They weren't violent, but they described how priests would like un, like get in front of the women in question and place their hips on a hassock and then they would undress them and like they would call that an exorcism. And I'm looking at this mm. going, I'm feeling a little bit like wobbly about mm. this. Um, you know, so that to me was something that kind of really stuck out. And it sounds a bit weird and dark, but I think the descriptions weren't obvious and I think I still reach to that kind of writing when it comes to sex like stuff that isn't stuff that leaves stuff to the imagination Mm. I think it's Um, funny you said that because um I mean sort of Nancy Friday someone we talk about a lot and she documents lots of women's fantasies mm. and a lot of them do tend to involve being dominated or being tied up or, you know, sort of being out and of it control. Is like that kind of SM, yeah. Um, and I think one of the first proper fantasies I had was one of the crushes I had at school was called Ben Kutavides. And I used to have a recurrent fantasy that he would tie me up mm. and nothing would actually happen beyond the fact that he would just tie me up and then hit me with sort of twigs. And, and, <laughs> and that would be because I didn't really understand how sex worked, but yeah. I knew that that was quite an evocative kind of that was probably one of the first things I'd ever thought about. Yeah. Um, what about things like, because it's interesting, I mean, obviously they were almost like the Jenny Cooper, Jackie Collins, they were kind of like the first women who started writing about that really in a commercial sense. Yeah. And then I guess the most recent example we've had, which I feel quite ashamed actually because I've not read it, is Fifty Shades. Oh yeah, don't don't be ashamed of not reading that. Um, <laughs> no. And I don't know what, do you know what, I think what I did is I put it on my Kindle and I started and then unfortunately... I, I abandoned it because I just I, I think I tried to go forward into the more sexy bits and was a bit disappointed. But Lisa, did you read it? And I dipped in, I dipped mm. in, and wasn't for me. Um, I the whole inner goddess thing really grated about she she sort of has this way of describing how she feels by projecting it onto her inner goddess and her inner goddess doing a flip and a turn and I it just I didn't really enjoy it. But I thought it was really interesting. First of all seven-figure deal for the writer E.L. James. Yeah, and it hit a moment in culture where there were a lot of women who were a little bit bored and who wanted something interesting, and that's great. It's like the the book and its phenomenon is is very separate from the writing in it. Mm. Because you can't focus on the writing of that book. That book is just a phenomenon. Absolutely. And Mm. also... It's very modern in the sense of probably publishing deal, not going to someone who is, you know, an experienced writer and a brilliant writer, yet has captured someone's imagination. So that was interesting. Also, Kindles, you said your Kindle. And wasn't that interesting? They were calling it mummy porn, first of all. So that's a whole other thing to Mm -hmm. talk about because it was almost like saying women can't watch normal porn. They have to read this. And it was very derogatory to kind of like dismiss it as mummy porn when actually just like you say, women were needing it, enjoying it. Mm -hmm. You know, if they were enjoying it, then brilliant. Um, Well, I'm surprising people people did because I I mean, I read it on a Kindle or tried to read some of it. But actually, a lot of people used to read it on the tube with the cover actually open. And I thought this is like the first time that I've kind of seen women. It's quite open. Yeah. Reading a book where everyone knows what it's about, the mm. title is clear, you know, and you're actually doing it quite openly. But I think, you know. but I think that's when it tipped into the mainstream and when mm. they were talking about it on This Morning and Loose Women and it suddenly became sort of almost more unacceptable not to have read it. 
Um, but at the beginning, it was all about the Kindle and we can read this because it's a bit like having um, something in a brown paper bag. You know, people don't know that we're reading this yeah. on the tube and we're getting a little kind of thrill from reading it and nobody knows, which made me think about the Hotbed podcast. And that's quite discreet. And I think people are enjoying being able to have their headphones in yeah. and listening to it without people knowing, apart from one listener who wrote in to say that she was about to do a presentation at work and she, her iTunes was up. And oh, like basically she... one of our really rude titles from series one, possibly I'd like something up my bottom, please, like mm. just flashed up on screen. And we had a few people <laughs> say that about our titles. Um, but yeah, with the mm. Kindle, I think it allowed a lot of people to read yeah. it. Then it got really, really famous and then it became poolside reading, read it with your family, pass it on to your stepmom, etc. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting is that it definitely normalizes a certain kind of book. I mean, I flipped through the first three pages and I, I, I literally just went, I can't, I cannot get into this because maybe it's like how musicians listen to music. Maybe me as a writer, I just, and it, I sound like a snob, I don't mean to, but I think I just, I could not get past how clunky the mm. writing was. And yet, when you look back at, when I was in my 20s, I started reading Henry Miller. So like The Rosie Crucifixion and uh, and then Tropic of Cancer. Mm -hmm. That, to me, was the same kind of like a, almost aggressive descriptions of sex. And mm -hmm. like he would use words that I was like, what? You know, and the characters in, in his books were really odious. And yet... Yeah. It kind of just maybe it was like a slap in the face to kind of say you can read stuff like this. It's OK. Mm. And it was a, a scandal. But I think those kind of things I'm not comparing, um, you know, E.L. James to Arthur Miller, but those kind of books do like force the normalization of, you know, it being acceptable to read. I'm going to read a little section from um from Fifty Shades of Grey to talk about oh. clunky writing and kind of slightly questionable <laughs> attitudes. I want you sore, baby, he murmurs, and he continues his sweet, leisurely torment backward forward. Every time you move tomorrow, I want you to be reminded that I've been here. Only me. You are mine. So that to me sounds like a really bad sex experience because I'm thinking it's just that traditional stereotype of the more vigorous it is, hmm. the more sort of uncomfortable thrush-like symptoms you develop the next day. <laughs> the better you know it's kind of that male cliche of like you, know, you won't be able to walk you know you'll be walking around like a cowboy you know you're not gonna be able to stand up I just it's such a turn off because it doesn't imply any kind of technique to me it's just pure cranberry juice I, I call it well yeah. I call it Jack you know Jack Russell style which oh, is God. you know I think we were kind of hopefully put together to be a bit more sophisticated than dog shagging which is kind of yeah. what that brings to life but I think it's it, it also kind of dumbs down the reader a bit with that kind of writing sometimes because don't people want something left to the imagination I mean I'm all about you know using descriptive words and you know descriptions of licking and biting and like and skin like descriptions and smells and mm. like feelings and all of that was is great but not when his he thrusted his shaft into her. But I'm like, that's not how sex works. Mm -hmm. There's so many different layers to sex. 
And have um, you written a book? Because obviously you're a writer, haven't you? You've just finished mm. you finished a book recently, yeah. um, which is very soon, I imagine, going to be snapped Hopefully, up by a publisher. Crossed, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you'll be a very famous author. Wow. and Seven-figure deal. Seven-figure deal, <laughs> yeah. Um, did, I mean, have you got sex scenes in the book? Yeah, in the, in the novel that I wrote, there is... Um, there, it, it's an, there's an instance of like a really brief affair and there's a scene that deals explicitly with a moment that is could be seen as coercion and it's a little bit aggressive. But then the character that, shall we say, could be seen as the victim is also questionable in her motives. And she's lonely and she's attracted to the guy and it was, um, A, writing it was difficult, but also made it probably more difficult because it was based on true events very loosely. Um, and I think writing that scene, or really even like marital sex, it's really complicated to do well because, you know, it can be written to titillate in a very obvious way, but it's wholly dependent on the voice of the writer and the mm. style of the book and the tone of the book, you know. And I'm like in in that scene, the descriptions that I used was like how he, you know his fingers couldn't undo the buttons of her dress quickly because he was sweating and you know she was pinned up against the wall and she you can't tell if she liked it or she didn't it was all i'm trying to make the reader really uncomfortable while mm. they're watching it but also a little bit excited like you know if you watch porn mm. right you kind of are like oh i kind of i can't look away but I kind of want to. It feels a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know, disturbing. I've written a really sexy story. So where I last used, well, I used to work at a place called Press Association, which is the national news agency, a bit like Reuters, but British. And we had someone from Mills and Boone come and do a workshop with some oh of the God, feature writers. That. It was brilliant. I think they do it as like an activity that yeah. you can, you know, like a Tupperware party around summers. Um, and she came and did it. And, I think if you're writing something, it really helps to have a, a specific challenge. And what she did was she said to us, um, think of an object and write around that object. And what, in a sexual way? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like I fancy my water bottle, but just, you know, incorporate <laughs> it. I'm looking at Anarchy's water bottle. Actually, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty fine. But um, I... Um, See, now I'm seeing that as phallic. Great, yeah. thanks. Thank you, <laughs> I... I you chose an object and you kind of incorporated it into a sexy story. And I found that much easier to write than just plucking something out of the air. Yeah. Um, and I think when we come to set our homework, I will do, mm. I'll tell you more about it. But um, I think that's why I found it a bit easier because it was just yeah. like, here's something to well, that's, do. Yeah, that's interesting. It's something we haven't touched on yet. Um, but reading aloud kind of mm. um, sensual writing, because I, I mean, I think so much of our culture now is visual you know, and obviously podcasts are doing well because that's kind of a break, isn't it, almost for your eyes. But one of the recommendations, I think, sometimes from sex therapists is to read um, erotic fiction together, you know, to read segments of books that turn you on to one another. Oh, wow. Um, which, A, it does a couple of things. One, it gets rid of a screen because hopefully you're actually doing it with a book. Um, but also it becomes a slightly less direct way to talk about fantasy. Because if you're saying, oh, I really love this bit that I'm reading you now it yeah, becomes quite obvious easier. as to mm. it segues yeah. quite easily then into that's really interesting you know getting into the mood and maybe trying something different yeah I've read a similar tip which is sort of the opposite which is um 
It's actually in this book that I have here on the table. How convenient. Ah. Um, it's a book called Becoming Cliterate, and it's by Dr. Laurie Minns, M-I-N-T-Z. It's a great book about uh, closing the orgasm gap, uh, which is obviously something very close to our hearts mm. and our clitori, clitorises. Clitor- I have a real problem with plurals. Is it clitoris? Yeah. We'll have to look. Clitori. I like clitori though. Um, and she suggests that if you're having trouble um, having an orgasm uh, on your own, you should watch TV or read a book, like not sexy ones, just like anything, mm-hmm. while uh, masturbating to start you off. Because apparently the mental barriers to us becoming turned on, this is for women, are quite large. And yeah. so if you can sort of distract your mind a little bit and mm. just some kind of repetitive motion, even a vibrator, I guess, um, happening below, you can then eventually be taken over with, um, with you know, erotic so feelings. So it's kind of like mm. meditation, but with an orgasm at the end. Yes. Mm. Great. Best kind, of, best kind of meditation. And actually on that note, I wanted to point out something that, again, one of our listeners recommended to us. This is in series one when we did uh, our piece on feminist porn. Mm. And she told me about something called hysterical literature. Have yes. you heard of it? Oh Have you seen goodness. it? So artist Clayton Cubitt, yes. C-U-B-I-T-T. He is amazing. I follow him on Instagram. He's, I've, got, I've been following him for about two years. He's extraordinary. This project is insane. Do you want to I describe it. it? Go on. So basically, um, this artist, Clayton Cubitt, um, videotapes and takes pictures of women who um, are masturbating mm-hmm. while reading literature oh wow and they're i mean i, I was just i can't even i guess you'd have to witness it but so we're holding I, the book then so she's so, so the women and it's all kinds of women very you know good diverse range of women sitting at a desk it's shot in black and white yep. really beautiful you can't see what's happening under the desk. Yep. So she's holding her favorite book i think yep. uh, with both hands and mm-hmm. someone underneath is there with a vibrator yeah i don't know who that person is <laughs> Great job. Maybe him. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And and it's just so interesting because it's almost like they're newsreaders. It's yeah. kind mm. of like there they are at a desk formally reading a book. And their bodies change, their face changes, their, voice. their breathing. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. So it's literally just shot from the up, yeah. upwards of the his, table. His photography is is absolutely stunning. Like Clayton Cubitt. Yeah. Yeah, right. And people should just, I mean, he should have more followers than he has. It's incredible. Mm. He does photo shoots, videos. Um, some of it is a little bit dark and subversive, but it's it's all just shot with such a beautiful eye. And mm. this idea was just phenomenal. Well, that that moves on quite nicely to um, our interview this week. So we um, we ended up talking to Clover Stroud, who's written a book called The Wild Other, and she's actually she's in the process of writing her second book. Um, and I'm not playing competitive. How many children have you got? But she's got five. <laughs> Children. Oh my god, that's a lifestyle. So if you're wow. a writer with five children, we actually spent quite a lot of time talking about just when do you write and how do you do that? Because that to me felt like quite a monumental task. But she does talk about sex and writing about sex because within her last book she has descriptions of sex in it. And one of the things she says that is she tries to sort of make it feel as authentic as possible, yeah. which I think is kind of what you were touching on when yeah. you were saying actually it's not about thrust and Cock and it's messy it's, and yeah, yeah and complicated yeah. exactly and, and that's what we kind of talk about um, and we also talk about bad sex that's been written about and and how to get it right and kind of words generally that we find sexy so mm. that's Clover Stroud coming she's up now she's got quite a sexy voice as well hasn't she she's incredibly yeah she is I was going to say she's incredibly sexy but she's she actually there. she has got a very sexy voice.
Okay, so I'm very excited today because um, we've got um, Clover Stroud here who, um, I mean, we were just saying outside that I feel like I have met you um, mm. because I've read lots of your things and I've kind of seen you on Instagram, but we haven't we haven't ever met before. Um, obviously, you're an author mm. and you were talking about, um, you're working on a new book as well. Yes. Can you just give us a brief little intro just for people who haven't heard of you and don't know I've, who you are? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, well, I did about 15 years of... Um, freelance journalism from my mid-twenties when I had two of my kids um, and I did that on through my thirties and then uh, in the last couple of years I've been writing well I wrote a memoir called The Wild Other and I've combined that with with doing kind of lifestyle journalism and also I had another I had a second marriage and I had another three kids in mm-hmm. my um, 30s mm-hmm. I'm now 42 and so I've got five children and mm-hmm. sort of writing I'm writing about what I'm interested in which mm-hmm. is um kind of what it means to be a woman essentially and the things that we you know lots of us are sort of struggling with today we're going to be talking about kind of writing and sort of sex yeah. that's one of the things that we're quite interested in yeah and I suppose at the hotbed um in our previous podcast actually we talk about um film yeah. and tv and kind of how that often shows sex in quite, um, I guess, quite an unrealistic, idealised mm. way. Mm. So that you can be sort of sat on the sofa with your partner mm. and you're kind of watching someone having very athletic sex. You know, maybe the woman's on top and she's sort of... <laughs> always know, wears had, a bra. She yeah. always wears... A, I find that weird. Yeah, how, sort of very... I mean, it can be quite intimidating. So mm. I think we talked about the affair and said that even in that show, which was a Sky Atlantic show, I think they yeah. had... Even the, the, the couple who were splitting up had the most incredible sex really, they were really kind of, hot sort of staring into yeah. one another's eyes yeah. and and I just wondered what's your perspective sort of I guess thinking about kind of books yeah. and being having the experience of writing about mm. sex I mean first off do you find it hard to, to write sex scenes because obviously your writing is very much about being true and mm. authentic mm. and trying probably not to be too perfect yeah what's your experience been um, well I really enjoy I really, really enjoy writing about sex, actually. And The Wild Other, my my first book, has got quite a lot of sex in it because sex, for me, is so much um, bound up with sort of my experience of being alive as well. And it has, has informed so much of what I've done. And so when I have... And I've always been very honest, for example, within family life, I talk to my kids very openly about sex. And um, which... And and so when I was writing as well, when I was writing the book, um, I have there are sex scenes in it, which is me having sex, which is obviously you know quite a strange thing to do to write a sex scene about yourself. But but um, when when I was writing creatively, I was absolutely imaginatively in that place. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to avoid was being sort of anatomical in the way that mm. I wrote about sex. So there's no you know I don't use the word. I think I used the word clitoris once in the entire book and it's actually not really to do with sex at that reference but um for me it was more about the way that I feel about sex in normal life which is that I can be um you know making pasta for my kids or on the tube going to a meeting and a, a sort of sexual feeling or memory or urge will be there and I think that um we all have those feelings and we all have and and it's the way they kind of come into absolutely normal life they don't happen at a romantic moment in the bedroom or at a romantic moment you Mm. know away at a hotel or whatever they are absolutely for me that feeling of 
sexuality I suppose is such a kind of motor and such a such a power and and that's why it's strange when you see it represented in films and stuff because it's always with these kind of perfect bodies mm. and and maybe slightly damaged lives but still kind of you know picturesque lives and actually our normal lives are much more messy and unpicturesque and and speaking for myself overweight and mm. you know all of those feelings and you don't really see you don't see that on the mm. screen at all and so I wanted to in the book I wanted to write about that way that yeah sex kind of comes into normal life all the time and I found it really really interesting and and in my new book I'm writing a book about motherhood and I feel like motherhood and sex is so closely bound together that yes it uh, but but sort of as mothers we're almost not really allowed to talk about it, not supposed to talk about it, and something you know. There's a very sort of old-fashioned patriarchal kind mm. of language around it, and sort of understanding it around it. And I really want to kind of bust out of that. That's what I'm trying to do with my writing, anyway. Mm. When you're sort of growing up, sometimes the first encounter you might have with with sex, mm. well, apart from maybe hearing rumours at school and stuff, yeah. is maybe reading yeah, about it. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, I mean, certainly, I went to an all-girls school, and I remember there was a very well-thumbed copy of Jackie Collins, mm. and it was kind of passed around. And yeah, then we actually had the highlighted bits. <laughs> so it's kind of read this. Yeah, and I just remember that having an incredible impact. Yeah, and then also my mum was. A feminist and she had a lot of books like Nancy Friday oh yeah mind-blowing when yeah. I read it and I suppose what what was nice about it in a way is that because you weren't seeing bodies mm. you were hearing descriptions mm. and you could put yourself within it you know it could yeah. fuel your own fantasies in a way definitely and um I hope that I hope that young people have that as well you know obviously they have their phones and porn can be right there but I hope that they do have that sense of sex being a kind of written thing as well I definitely for me it was really really important I remember finding and I think this has kind of slightly informed my pleasure in the kind of reading that I like or the kind of porn that I like actually as well which is very very much about normal life I think I found something like a Mayfair book of um like readers readers letters or something like that and it was very very much normal people's um experiences of being aroused and being swept away by desire and by lust and and you know physical longing and i really enjoyed reading those those letters and i remember finding this book and then taking it up to my room and i was probably really quite young i was i'm i reckon i must have been about nine or ten or something like that and um and reading reading was a way of uh reading you know reading about sex in that way was a way of 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 sort of ingesting it i suppose it's always been said that it's very hard to write mm. good sex mm. and i know that every year they have the awards mm. with you know the most terrible kind of sex from literature mm. and i was having a look at the the latest ones and actually they didn't strike me as they being didn't that, that bad. awful i know i was um, looking and at i was them. thinking god why is it so <laughs> awful and i think that's probably why you know i've i've tended to steer clear of writing about sex mm. unless it's been something that's more around a situation around sex mm. rather than the actual act itself mm. because I've always been worried about um, how it comes across mm. um, but have you found it difficult or do you just find that actually if you use your own because you're almost because you're obviously writing memoir mm. you're using your own sort of recollections and you're just trying to be true to that and that mm. helps you steer clear because you're not actually trying to project a a vision of something else you're, you're being yeah. yourself and you're trying I'm trying to access when I'm writing about it I enjoy it because I'm trying to access what the kind of deepest emotion of it and I think for me like I said earlier the kind of staying away from the 
anatomy of it because that's when it starts becoming kind of I don't know it just like you then feel a bit divorced from it and try I tried to put myself right back into my head and what do I feel like when I'm um you what did I feel like with that incredible Russian guy that I was sleeping with I can remember it really clearly and it was and it was very much a feeling of um you know of the sort of being completely the the drive the sec the sexual drive I suppose mm-hmm. that you feel or the feeling when I'm with my husband who I totally adore and really really fancy and and um kind of the the sort of like it's more for me it's more about the smell of somebody and the taste of their skin and the feeling of wanting to sort of when I talk right about Pete my husband I talk about wanting to like exist with inside his body I suppose it should mm. be the other way around but I felt like I wanted to I write it about wanting to be inside his chest cavity mm. you know it was that that kind of um, that kind of sort of physical you know, the sort of it's almost like you know wanting to devour something wanting to be physically the same part of them I think the person who is the real master of it is um, Jilly Cooper you know mm. the way that she writes about sex is really really sexy writers is I think so many of us read that book as teenagers and really, you know, really, really devoured it and loved it. And she writes, and she's quite explicit, actually, in the way that she writes, isn't it? Mm. And She is, and also the other thing is that she objectifies men yeah. as well. Mm. So even on the cover of the book, you know, there's that kind of, you know, I, I don't know, it was almost a precursor to things like the Chippendales and when we started yeah. to sort of be more lecherous yeah. towards the, the yeah. male physique. Yeah. And just to wrap up, because it's interesting, um, obviously all the, we sort of founded the hotbed mm. initially sort of to talk about the challenges of sort of maintaining sex after kids. Mm. And actually it's kind of expanded a bit now and we talk about lots of other things as well. But you've sort of said that, you know, you've obviously you still fancy your husband mm. and you still have a, a good sex life and mm. stuff. And I think a lot of people who are listening will think, you know, how is that even possible? Mm. Um, because we hear so many people who send us messages and stuff and write and will say, you know, they either have no sex life at all mm. or they have a pretty unadventurous one. Mm. Um, but generally, it's never as good as it was before pre-kids. Kids. Yeah. yeah. What would be your, um, I guess, for somebody who's kind of going through that, mm. is there any advice you'd give? Because you're in a very different mindset where you seem to be able to see your partner in quite a fresh way despite mm. the fact that you know you've had kids together mm. and tired and all the other stuff yeah um well well there's two things I guess one thing that I feel is that he's my second husband and I feel uh I was with some I was I was married in my 20s and that didn't work and then um I met Pete in my 30s and I felt I think second marriages second relationships you know the big big second one it's really interesting because you can for me anyway I personally have been able to kind of correct and understand some of the problems from the first relationship and what went wrong and why I made the wrong I didn't make the wrong choices in marrying him I really loved him and I still love him and I adore the two children that we had together but that it made me understand things about myself and how to behave in a different way within the relationship and that has been really useful in terms of informing my second marriage definitely and and I also feel massive sense of gratitude to my second husband because of the feeling of um kind of the second chance that it gives you at the whole thing and um in terms of sort of feeling desire my 
with with children it's hard i'm not saying that it's not hard and i'm not saying at all that we're like having masses of sex all the time but i do definitely really desire him and i really fancy him and um i think one of the things that i think is that when i'm feeling as though i don't massively feel like sex or it could be not the kind of sex that i really want i feel this sense that if you're aware you've had good sex in the past and then you've had kids and then it's a bit oh it's a bit tiring it's not really what you want to be doing I have a very strong sense when I'm having sex that all of the sex that we've ever had, all of the, you know, brilliant sex before children when it was just pure kind of lust and desire and and and, and an, that absolute urgency all the time of a new relationship, I always kind of have a sense of it and I try and kind of foster a sense as well of all of that sex informing where we are at that moment. And it's not as though, um, you know, it's not as though... I don't think sex is about novelty. The 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 feeling of knowing him better and better, and uh, having and we've been through some really really tough times in the last few years. Being able to get through that and still kind of want each other feels like a huge act of love, actually. And I think I feel more than ever the sense of love being part of sex well thanks a lot for coming in today it's been lovely it's been talking really, to really, you really really good really cool. i've really enjoyed it and we'll be looking out for your new book as well yes cool. um and yeah wishing you lots of luck to get thank that you. finished as thank well thank you very very much All right thank you Right, well, I hope you all enjoyed our discussion with Clover. And um, as I said, if you want to look up her book, it will be in the in the notes, but it's called The Wild Other. You know, I was looking up words for vagina on the internet, and one of the ones that's quite common here is obviously fanny. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what does fanny... Because fanny in the US is completely fanny different. Fanny is your butt, your bum. Right. So when we have that... We don't call it a bum bag hmm. in the US. We call it a fanny pack. A fanny pack. But if we called a fanny pack over here, it would probably mean entirely different That's thing. I was that could be in Fifty Shades. Exactly. <laughs> but also, what? So, what would commonly? So I'm making. I'm being an anthropologist here. But mm. what commonly, what would? What would you call like a? Would you say vagina or pussy? What is the most kind of common? Pussy. Pussy is probably in kind of writing and you know kind of if you want to talk dirty, that's probably pussy is more yeah what Americans mm. would use or. I don't know. I mean, it's funny. Everybody has names for it, though, don't they? Mm. Like in different countries. So do you have like a kind of preferred name or like a name that you think? Because from a personal perspective, I I know vulva is the right technical term. Um, but I really don't like it as a word. I just mm. think it's, I don't know what it is. It just comes up. It sounds up. quite hard, doesn't it? Yeah. And it just makes me think about lentils and <laughs> hessian skirts. And I really like the word clitoris. I think clitoris is great mm. as a yeah. word. Or just clit, for short. Yeah. I think that's kind of, that's quite sexy. But what would you call the whole package, though? The whole thing. I am, tr- I'm really working hard on vulva. Really? No pun intended, or pun intended. I'm working really hard on it because I think it is the right word to use. It's the accurate word. Yeah, but it's a habit. It's the, My habit is vagina. Yeah. What, what about Same. a sexy word, though? Because I just think if you say to someone, could you touch my vulva now? Because I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm ready for my vulva. Because pussy always but seems to be it the is the sexier is the, word. Is the thing that I mean, I don't know. That's kind of the center of attention, isn't it? Mm. I think clitoris is really fun to use because it does sound sexy actually, even mm. though it's the technical term. word. Yeah. And it takes up a lot of the vulva as well. 
because it's not just the teeny tiny bit at the top, it's yeah. actually extending. Mm. Right down through the lips. Sometimes I forget that you're breastfeeding, and then when you start undoing your your top, she's getting I'm hot sort and of like, well, we really oh, are having Lisa. an impact here. Lisa's she's getting, getting excited. She's getting, getting undressed. I'm just going to bear my breast. Um, okay, so kind of so sort of sexy words. What about with with because like kind of the penis descriptors of the penis quite often. I mean, penis itself as a word is not very sexy. Yeah. Cock is kind of the most common one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but in in the US, I think you you more than likely to hear a dick. Which oh, really? I, I really don't know. I really mm. just don't like that word. Mm. Cock, I think, is sexy. I don't mm. know. I just, I think it's a great word. Mm. It's very self-contained. And there's something about the C at the beginning and at the end, which yeah. it sort of rolls off the yeah. tongue, pun intended, really nicely. I also yeah. think like a hard-on is sexy. or Yeah. Like, but I quite like it when women say they've got a hard-on, which yeah, is something same. I've noticed. That's happening so more. great. Yeah. It's quite empowering, isn't it? So much. I first heard it in Ghost World. Have you seen Ghost World? No. So Scarlett Johansson would be like, oh, so I have like a total hard on for that guy. And I was like, that's really cool. And actually, the more I've read about... That's more accurate. The me- yeah, the more I've read about female anatomy, the more I realise it's true because you do have... You've got good. erectile tissue in your yeah. vulva. Yeah. And as blood flows down vulva. there, it becomes erect. Vulva. I like the way Anki says it. Vulva. You're working on vulva. it, aren't you? You're working on it too. But well, I just think it could be a name. So if I said to you... I'm, my name is Valva. Would you would you flinch or would you think that was? I mean, that's I the way you pronounce out, or it. I you could actually do that. It's like an Austin um, Powers sort of bad. Why did your mother hate you? She named you Valva. <laughs> All this talk about um, you know descriptions, heavy descriptions, detailed descriptions about sex. One of my favorite things when I'm reading a book is a description of a kissing scene. Hmm. I don't know what it is, and I'm no absolutely no prude, but. There's something really lovely about a good description, or even in a movie. Mm. There's something really inherently sexy about a really good makeout session, mm. and I think that's even probably hard to write. Really. Well, because it, and it's so um, intimate as well, mm. isn't it? And unfortunately, it's often one of the things that is neglected. You know, in long-term relationships, sometimes you can stop doing that yeah. regularly. Um, yeah. So it's and it's often the first contact you have with someone as well is that yeah. kiss. It's quite yeah because mm. it is. It's like there's something slightly potentially mysterious about it, or saucy, or delicate, or there's so many different layers to kissing. So mm. yeah, which eventually leads to something else. <laughs> mm. well, I wanted to say thank you to Tanya, thank you for, me. for coming. Um, it's been great, and uh, it's been really good. And uh, seriously, what's the title of your book? Just so that. Well, or is you still? Are you still? No, the title right now is the cranes. The cranes, okay. Uh, because uh, it, there is um, Ukrainian imagery in it because I'm Ukrainian, and that's um, it's loosely based on my grandmother's life. So it's there's a there's an affair, there's a forced adoption, there's and throughout it there's cranes imagery because cranes are inherent in Ukrainian literature. So mm-hmm. there's intrigue and I'm proud of it so thanks a lot for coming today um I've got some homework to set as well um for our listeners which is um we were talking earlier about this little exercise of describing an object in a kind of sensual evocative sexy way so um we're sort of setting you the task you know it's actually quite nice as uh, if you haven't written a lot to have someone give you a specific task um so try and write 500 words about an object um but really bring to life the kind of in a really evocative way the way it looks the way it feels um it doesn't have to be like a dildo it could just be something like a glass or a beautiful painting um 
I'm trying to think of something not very sexy. Maybe not a beaker or a packet of wet wipes, but anything at all. And then send them in to us um, and we'll give you the notes in the show notes and then the best ones we'll put on our website. So that might be your, your foray into a career as an erotic fiction writer. Who knows? You might suddenly discover a talent that you never knew you had. Um, so that's it for this week. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you for our next episode. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.